starting. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Tales from Ghost Tusk Slayer. Unfortunately, we got a shortage of players uh, for our Dark Matter game. So we're starting a new uh, series called Side Quests. Basically, uh, it's just general conversations with the players to learn more about them and their thoughts and feelings on different subjects. You know, today, I have Kane and Allison with me. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Kane. Hi. Hi. <laughs> cool. And uh, if you don't mind, um, let's just start off with sharing a bit about yourselves, um, your backgrounds are, uh, what kind of gaming experiences you've had in the past. No worries. Yeah, these are great crackers. You guys should be here. The, the Trader Joe's Raisin Rosemary Crisps. Mm. So let's start off with Kane. Um, so, you know, you introduced my name. My name is Kane Peters. Uh, I have been playing D&D for about 19 years now. When I turn 30 in October is actually going to be my 20th year of playing because I was able to play my first game of D&D when I was 10. Uh, specifically, it was 3.5, the adventure model, the Sunless Citadel. If either of you two know that, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, from there, I've just exploded exponentially in gaming. Tried LARPing once. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a general thing. Um, if we get more detailed questions, I can share more then. Sure. But I could literally talk all podcast, so. <laughs> you okay? You okay? <laughs> okay, and we got Allison. Hello. So, I like to bring snacks. I'm currently trying some Mimolet cheese for the first time. It's very tasty. Um, Let's see, I've been playing D&D for... Well, when we, Five years now? when we first met, uh, did you have any role-playing experience under your belt? When I first met you, I had played D&D with one group of other neophytes, um, just trying to figure it out on our own um, for about a year mm. and a half. So um, the problem is being completely, absolutely no one had any experience. <laughs> so we were all kind of the blind leading the blind. So it wasn't really until I moved here that I kind of actually learned the rules. Um, like the volumes of rules as mm -hmm. opposed to the very, very, we were playing very, uh, for beginners. Okay. Um, but it was super fun. And so when I moved here and I didn't know anyone, I thought a really great way to meet people and to continue playing because I really enjoyed it was to go to a gaming store and sign up for a game and that's how I met everyone here. Cool. So Kane, um like you said, you started off with 3.5 and Allison you started with what five? Yeah. Okay. Um 
how did you guys figure out what niche or character role in the party you wanted to play? So that is a bit of a harder question for me because I have been playing so long. There is almost a concept I haven't done. There's very rarely that I haven't played something that I've played before. And all I'm really doing at this point is just changing the flavor text. But mechanically, I've played everything. So for this instance, because I was joining a pre-existing group, I took a look at the concepts that were at the table, along with the mechanical parts of the group as a whole, and I tried to see what could be filled within that instance, simply because that that's just kind of how I have to do it at this point, because that, that other than changing changing the name, there isn't much to it for me anymore. Especially in games like 5e, and that's why like I personally no contrast or problems with the game we're playing, I mechanically have been drifting towards other game settings and other game types just because I find that I'm able to express myself as a role player a bit more. I think because I'm getting a little stagnant on 5th edition and D&D in general, actually. Okay. What about you, Allison? Um, I don't know how many fantasy book girlies are actually listening to this, but for my first character, I had just finished reading the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss, and I had just begun reading Court of Thorns and Roses, and I really wanted to play Kalina's character, but with Feyre's name. So I did! And okay, that's for what the- I did. I played as a fangirl, as a book character that I really liked and just kind of made it my own. Okay, so for those of us who are not familiar with those books, mm-hmm. how about uh, giving us a little background of that? Uh, so in one of the books, she is an assassin uh, with a background. I don't want to give away the books. <laughs> <laughs> But I took a little bit of elements from each character that I just really enjoyed, and I ended up with a super bitchy druid um, that's pretty much a complete badass, and I absolutely loved playing her. And after that, every character that I've done, I've just kind of thought up a, a fun story for them. It doesn't have to have all the orphan crap or anything like that. Just who are they? Mm-hmm. And played like that. I mean, as long as you're not a rogue, you don't. It's not a requirement to have a tragic backstory. <laughs> I I had a rogue. She doesn't really have one, but not tragic. I'm more just making it. I don't get the trope as a whole. <laughs> so, and I think coming from that point, and like do making the mechanics work for me in a way that works for my character and their personality. Um. I think that's what keeps me from ever being bored. Okay. So, um... But I also haven't played for 19 years, so call me again in, like, 14. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and like I said, that's kind of where branching on that, t- like, expanding on that subject a little bit, That that is why I've been doing other things, because 
I am starting to get bored in D&D. Our game has been fun and has been a nice change of pace because of the fact that it's a different setting and there are different spells, different things for me to do. But because I've looked at the mechanics of D&D for so long, I don't know. It's just slowly lost its spark for me. Yeah, I know that we've in the past spoke about trying out other game systems, trying out other... um, yeah, and since then I have. I yeah, really hmm. have. I mean, within this group, but yeah, yeah, but in that context, that makes sense as well. Yeah. So, um, kids actually based on two. Yeah, characters. that's actually segue into your current characters. What were, who, what were the motivations that created those characters, and what was it like stepping in, knowing you know, stepping into a pre-existing group oh so kit i straight up stole from tailspin <laughs> tailspin yeah kit tia yeah Damn. sorry Devin, Devin, yeah. oh my goodness do not come for me disney i'm so sorry <laughs> but no i always loved tailspin and i really liked the idea of this kid who was on trips with Baloo, like kind of like along with Indiana Jones Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I thought that that character married with uh, the girl from Serenity. Which one? River or Inara? Or... Don't look at me. I don't know what you guys are talking about. She's played by Jewel Strait. Oh. Spacing on her name. uh, Kaylee. Yes. So I decided I wanted kind of a Kit Kaylee thing. And then, like, from there, she ended up being kind of a lush because she ended up hanging out with the Kenosi brothers. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just what it is. But, I, yeah, again, it was just taking someone, taking an idea of a character that seemed like really fun to play. And, okay, so. Uh... And stepping in, y'all made it really easy. Yeah, uh, glad we could actually do that. And uh, delving into your character a little bit further. Um, She's a little Han Solo on Well, yeah, but... Personality. <laughs> Just a little, little sprinkle. Yeah, given. But um, what I'm trying to get to is uh, you... That we had discussed your character. And what you wanted to do and where you wanted to go... And you actually introduced the concept of being an influencer in this world, which really isn't covered. So we had to create mechanics to to do exactly that. Glad you influenced him. <laughs> She's just a little too good. So considering that you were you're playing a uh, a cross between uh, Kit from Tailspin, TM. <laughs> and, um, let's see, the other, oh, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Kaylee from um, uh, Serenity. Where did the idea of tapping into social media and becoming an influencer fit in? I mean, what what kind of sparked that idea and you decided to run with that how can you be a bard on a spaceship 
Well, like, I mean, your bards, you know, spin tales and they, you know, entertain and everything like that. And I found that playing bards in the past, like, you really need to be in and around people, right? And in pres- and like, if you're on a spaceship, you're not in and around people. But how is our society right now? Everyone's on freaking social media. So the most influence she could have as bard would be broadcast. Mm-hmm. And then, but who is she? She has no background to be a news anchor or a reporter it, or a anyone with any kind of education or background. <laughs> <laughs> like, so what could she do with the skill set that she has? Is space TikTok? Space TikTok. And, and I, <laughs> I wanted her to have an independent uh, revenue stream because that's what smart girls do. Cool. Um, as for you, Kane, uh, you are playing Valak, a Rothian uh, follower of the Church of the Null. No, no, no not Church of the Null. Uh, I, I specifically worship the concept of the void. So, yeah. Church of the Void. Valak is a very interesting character because a lot of what is going on with him and his themes, I kind of put a little bit on the back burner because I don't want to play Creep by Radiohead TM for, like, <laughs> you know, the entire game session because that's that's kind of the energy he brings. He is looking at very big philosophical questions. He comes from this race that is bent on controlling the universe and bending it to its will. And he was given this gift from the unknown gift being in air quotes, essentially where I am allowed to ask bigger philosophical questions of like, if you have a short time to live, what do you do? How do you face those concepts of death and what's happening to you and what's going to happen to you? Should you be cut off from something and given a time limit, be given a certain amount of time? So within that spectrum, he was able to accept, find acceptance with what is and is essentially trying to spread that message to other people to comfort them, to let them know that no matter what happened, no matter how bleak things look, Everything must come to an end. But it doesn't have to be sad. It just is a fact. So, like, super higher purpose. Exactly. And then flying with a mundane space orphan. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, what? But, I mean, here's the thing, though. Even though he has this higher purpose, doesn't, doesn't everyone who's trying to serve a higher purpose deserve those few minutes of peace or just enjoyment in between? before those final moments happen, especially if they know it's happening. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not something you can control. It's not something that can be stopped. It's, I am going to die within 10 years. My my form simply will not sustain me, and there is nothing I can do about it. Okay, so I do have a question for you. And before I ask this question, I'm just going to be upfront and tell you, if you're not comfortable answering this question, you do not have to. Okay? Okay. What were the influences and motivations to creating the character? So, this is where we get personal, folks. 
I have tackled a lot of hard questions when it comes to certain principles such as love, kindness, human warmth, what it means to be a person, depression, um, suicidal tendencies. Like, it is... I have lived... Blah, blah, blah. Let's try English again for a few seconds. I've lived a little bit of a rougher life when it comes to the, those, like, bigger concepts. And because I had a lot of those lacking in my life, it's led to me having to find the answer to those things where other people just simply don't have to care what it means to be a person to them. Where I have, I have. I've had to ask those questions. I've had to tackle with the fact that life seemed so difficult for me that the only answer my brain kept coming to was just to not be a part of it. And recently, through a lot of my pain and my turmoil, I have learned to find acceptance and understand that it is just me attempting to not face reality as harsh as it is. Okay. So this is my character's uh, expression mm. of those things that like it's not an answer and that it is something that should it's something that should be talked about in society people who are like this people who have these experiences people who just have tough times with things and just need to learn to talk about it does it help bringing heavy shit like that to the table and then, like, being able to leave it on the table or, like... It means no difference to me. It doesn't? Like... No. It's not in any way helping process or anything? Um, it is and it isn't. I just... If I can express it, I will, but I'm not going to make it the topic of the table. I don't want to overwhelm people because I understand that while I am this way, <laughs> talking about it is hard. Hearing about someone's turmoil and their suffering is hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't wish to subjugate that or the listeners to it at an 11. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to drop pieces of it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I don't want to see if I am capable of leaving <laughs> a subliminal message that maybe someone could hear and use. Cool. Thanks. Uh, as for where I've driven the game, what I've done so far, and where this game is going, let's start off with the NPCs, just to get a feel as to what you guys think about them. Um, let's start off with the person that has been the Biggest thorn in your side so far, Sin. Hmm. I mean, she is a rapscallion. She is constantly chasing um, the higher paycheck, and she doesn't. And she understands that people are stepping stones. They are a means to gain what she is actually looking for, but. She's likable, or she tries to be likable, and it's not. And you guys have your own opinions about sin. Um, is she? Do you guys feel that she's a friend, an enemy, frenemy, someone, something else? My character really likes her. 
but really doesn't trust her and would turn on her in a second. Like, I would say they're frenemies. I, as a newer member, have no... My character has no... Nothing. Nothing. There's not really a history other than, like, he and and Sim kind of knew each other in passing, but not really. I, as a human being, just find it hilarious and enjoy listening to horror stories that she's committing you guys to do and or be put through. But, I mean, I'm also a jerk, so. Yes. Yeah. The way that Kit's evolved, she's kind of become a little less, I intended for her to be a lot nicer. Um, (laughs) Well, um, but she's evolved into being a little bit more, um, not prickly, but not nice. <laughs> From what I understand, though, like, and, think think about the outer world like that, though. Yeah. Like, it is so hard to maintain a persona of nice and good in yeah. something that spans. So, like, she's, she's more shaped into what she is, which is a 19-year-old mm-hmm. girl who... Is neither nice nor mean, right. just selfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is that, is that a statement on modern times, or should we just not go? Just right. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, but you know what I mean, like I do, and like I think in with sin, I think what she sees is someone that she could have been, like, good partners with and, like, they could have gotten into some shit with Mm -hmm. and, like, had some fun. (laughs) But the world didn't work that way, and instead she kind of sees, like, well, I'm not going to trust you. Like, you know? Yeah, you like her. (laughs) But I I dig you. Okay. (laughs) Like, we can have fun. Um, Second character of question would be Simon Says. She also likes him. I don't even know the character. Uh, okay, so you've had yeah, you don't have <laughs> yeah, I don't have one. I don't even have. So she likes people. So 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 to no. give you so all these so all these previous five second modern statement. Yeah. So <laughs> to there's, there's to help you understand, King, there is. One of the one of the major organizations in this world is the Cabal, and their intent, their entire it's a corporation where where you literally rent your soul out to them, so and you spend a period of time in the Nine Hells during your afterlife in exchange for something that you want right want right now. So it's like McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's an entire corporation based on, like, and Simon Says is a, it is a middle manager mm-hmm. um, within this uh, organization that has had a number of dealings with, uh, with the crew of the Aurora. <laughs> and, um, he has come in, he's come in to play at certain key moments. I originally was going to use this character as a means to forward the plot. 
but he's kind of ingratiated himself on the party and and but he's been he he's the thing is is that he's very straightforward he i try to portray him as a charming character but i think you're nailing it the last time that you guys interacted I'll pretend you are well <laughs> <laughs> last time kit interacted with him he came he, he came out of the gate and said hey you said hey is there something that we need to know and one of the things that he straight up said was don't trust anybody including me mm-hmm. now for someone that was charming and ingratiating and he was more than willing to buy you stuff she didn't trust him what what part of that did you not trust from the was it was it something he said or <laughs> was it the name or was it just our dm playing <laughs> let's, let's dive into this mm. <laughs> yeah, from the beginning he's obviously like some sort of secretive fat cat that like has a lot of influence but you don't know on what he's not like i mean just by what and who he is he's not trustworthy mm. Yet, if he's so untrustworthy, why do you do you interact with him because I put him in your way and you feel you have to, or is he the kind of person that you would go out of your way to interact with? Hmm. Knowing that you feel that he's untrustworthy. Well, I mean, of course, it depends on the context. If he's the first thing I meet and the obstacle in my way, well, then you kind of put him there. In general, she's but, dealt in the past with the, some unsavory characters. Um, one of the spins that I did put on the tailspin thing was that Blue wasn't necessarily a stand-up Indiana Jones, it belongs in a museum type of guy, and more like a who's the highest bidder for this relic that I found mm. guy. <laughs> and a little bit of smuggling in her background and stuff like that. So right. she's dealt with some CD people. She obviously doesn't turn away from it with like, oh, I have bugs. Let me sell them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, for her, like the underbelly and the CD aspect is just part of life. Like you don't be orphaned and have absolutely no one in your life and end up with fucking like just a bunch of pilots and not be yeah a little rough around the edges and know that sometimes you just have to scrape the law to do what you need to to survive mm-hmm. and stuff like that so i think that she has a fairly keen her insights like super high so she is like a fairly keen judge of people but like she also has no trouble dealing with people who are untrustworthy <laughs> <laughs> You know, because, like, I feel like she feels that as long as she's going in, eyes open. um, And never actually trust anyone. Do you, when approaching this character and how they interact with the NPCs, do you at any point feel that uh, there is a assumption that you're going to be betrayed? 
Like, do I automatically assume that someone's going to screw us over? Yeah. I didn't like those Avon Raw people. Well, they are... Well, is it because you didn't trust them, or is it just because your character's racist to Birdman? No, they were... <laughs> <laughs> it's about us, like, coming... Well, if you kind of look at their flavor text, though, they kind of don't talk the best to people. They have this high and mighty superiority thing going on. It's also it's like a race. It's, also, mm. it's also, you know, you know, she's very like. Well, it's your own get fault. They have wings. They can just be above you. <laughs> I want to disagree. This is really cute. I mean, as the guy that has to run the NPCs, I want to say that there is a higher purpose to why these characters act the way they do. But that's the flat-out truth. <laughs> they are dicks because they're freaking Bible thumpers who think that they know better than everybody else. Because the light told them so. <laughs> and I mean, essentially, she got part of this crew because they needed a pilot and she needed money. Mm-hmm. And then she's been totally on board with anything that gets us money, but doesn't get us killed. <laughs> so that's her line. Okay. <laughs> and she approaches everyone like that. Like, are you going to get me money? Are you going to get me killed? And like, where do you sit on the line? Mm-hmm. So with this idea in your head that Everybody that you're going to, that you deal with will eventually. They're all going to leave. Will eventually betray. Well, not necessarily betray. Leave. Leave. Leave or betray. Okay. Leave. Leave is her big thing. Technically, I can. I just have a life expectancy. I won't leave. I'll just die. (laughs) Gives her some form of comfort. (laughs) So what are your. Bye, Joyce. So, with that mentality, your whole planet died. They didn't really leave. Same difference. They all left. They should have tried living harder. Yeah. Her whole, her whole. So, could you eat the rind of this or no? That is an awesome question. You should try. Yeah. Um. So with. That line of thinking to kick. Very hard, so I don't. Um, what? To be honest, I'm I'm kind of wanting to pause and see what happens with this Ryan thing. <laughs> but with this line of thinking that people will eventually betray or leave you, how does that impact your relationship with the other members of the crew? They're having fun now. So just ride the wave for now, and when it comes time to cut and that that they may cut and run, you just kind of accept it, or <laughs> so that's cheese jerky. That's what the rind became. Yeah, you can chew through it. I don't know if I would recommend it though. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> Cheese that's around it. So, okay. So, the two 
players that are absent are Thomas and uh, Tre- and Trevor, uh, who play the Kenosi brothers. Um, what are what are your p- opinions of the way uh, of those two characters, how they're being played? Because you can easily see that one's the responsible one, and one is the irresponsible one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I mean, if I were on the other side and I was playing the game, um, and I knew that one of the other characters was so highly irresponsible and the other was so completely irresponsible. I'm not sure how that would work out for my character, knowing that one is reliable and dependable and the other is very questionable. How much how much danger would I be putting myself in by associating with them? And would I want to continue to do so? She finds both Kenosi brothers reliable in different ways. Oh, it's my turn to answer. Um, so it is hard for me to tell based on the players themselves. Um, the two the two players, uh, Thomas and God, I'm so bad with names, Trevor are very mechanically inclined, so I often see them thinking and talking outside of character in comparison to being their character, if that makes sense. Where you guys have had enough time to get those moments, I'm not getting enough of those moments to really give, like, a a, a good justification on the way that, like, my character and I feel. Not as much, no. Okay. But that's because... You better well, it's not really a bad like it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I just I haven't had enough moments for them to really show their character off too much. Do I get the broad concepts? Sure, mm-hmm. but I I don't see more depth than I'm lazy and good at fighting and like drinking and I'm responsible and. That's that's it. That's literally where that line ends for that character. Mm. There is no more to to those characters to me than that. Mm. But at the same time, I know that they are very mechanically inclined people. So I just need to play with you guys more and have those right moments that you introduce in to see that. And I've seen trickles. Like I know it's there. Mm. I'm not denying that it's there. Saying that they're bad players, I just haven't seen it yet. Okay. And I and I fall into that same trap too. I'm very mechanically heavily inclined, especially because I don't do character voices. Cause no, <laughs> I tried. It doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even do my own accent like well for a long period of time. <laughs> so, but th- those are my thoughts. Okay, that's cool. Uh, it's interesting to see what your perceptions are. Outside of game versus inside of game regarding the other people that you serve with on on the Aurora. Um, what are your thoughts or feelings about the current story arc? How do you feel about going on a galactic treasure quest? 
our galactic treasure hunt. Kat's just really freaking nervous about the no magic zone and how her ship's going to be. And so obviously it's not going to be good. So she's, she's like literally just all caught up in the the flying of it all. Mm-hmm. Are but you then, asking me or my character? Uh, you. Oh. I would like to play. I've only done it three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough to be like, here's some super in-depth thing. Like, no, I've only played three or four games so far. Like, yeah, but... I, I've made it narratively about <laughs> ten feet in the story. <laughs> yeah. But... We spent three, two or three episodes on this planet. While it's real cool, and a lot of it's tailored for me, it you're on your own. You're doing a lot of solo work. Which isn't fun. Well, I get that. I mean, it is, but yeah. it also isn't, because then there are like two, three, four hours where I'm just sitting here while you guys do your thing, and mm-hmm. I have to do something else on my laptop so I don't scream at something in boredom. Yeah. And I do apologize for that. I, mean, no. I wish there was another way to get you more involved in everything, but... It's either unnatural or natural play. Like, yeah. Prefer unnatural play. Yeah. And- Am I slightly bothered? Sure, but I'm also not a kid. I can just do something else. Yeah, but at the same time, that ten feet that you've gone into the story arc is the drive. Is moving the story forward? Oh yeah, like I, I do understand that. While I may not have done much, it's still moving the story in the direction that we need to go. Like my short time here has clearly pointed out where we need to go, right? And the right and some of the right ways to do so. Mm. So I know I haven't done nothing. It's just yeah, you haven't done much. <laughs> you know, the spotlight has not been on you for a long period of time, and I don't want it to be either. Yeah. Because that's that that's contrary to to the point and the characteristics of the character. Because again, I don't want to blast creep TM mm-hmm. by Radiohead the entire time. <laughs> it's just gonna be your intro. Like every time you like walk in, it's just like the first full bars. Yeah, <laughs> Eeyore isn't in every scene talking in in Winnie the Pooh TM. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you kind of get why, though. Like, that was my get... favorite character. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people love, at the same time, like, depression, depression, yeah. like, that, that down, unoptimistic attitude can really drag on after a while. And that isn't exactly Valak, but, like, Valak's also like, let's have a deep philosophical question where you're like, I'm a cell space bugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, they are a bit of an issue, and we do need to get rid of them. Who mm. are by selling them? Right. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. She did a responsible thing. I don't know why everyone mm. keeps acting like it's like a crime. I don't care. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, uh, in regards to like, she's chaotic neutral. Yeah. <laughs> so, in regards to the. <laughs> Festival of the Chosen. I mean, you've been on the same planet for four game sessions, going on five, and you've seen what I've uh, what I've done with uh, what little is written about the 
the temple of the chosen yeah in the actual book um it's <clears throat> fun mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah like i thought it was fun it, it was like a religious mardi gras that was kind of cool side like fun thing that you had us doing actually I, I shouldn't say like, that because i barely know what mardi gras is to begin with it could be religious so it is it is see See? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so like yeah yeah, I created uh different kinds of festivals uh based upon which uh deity within the pantheon uh you guys were going towards. And I did steer you towards the the festival of the gunner. But um with the other deities there and the other festivals, like the festival of the art uh of the astrogator or the festival of the pilot. Shit. There was a festival of pilot. I'm sorry, I did not clearly uh, provide that information. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I knew that every one of them had one, so Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I just figured it was kind of Assumed. Assumed. So I didn't say anything. Wasn't paying close enough attention. That's <laughs> okay. Being here wasn't even to attend these festivals. Yeah. It was to come in, get the information we need, and get out. It's this was just well. I don't want to go join a stuffy dinner service with clerics, so I'm gonna go shoot things instead. She was always there for the food. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like like the other two said, and it split the party and made me go out do a solo thing. She, it was like I'm not complaining. I'm just yeah, like yeah. about it. We, we get it, and I mean, you did go through. I did provide a lot of useful information. You now know mentally scarred some robots. I don't think you mentally scarred any robots. Yeah, when I tried to use telepathy on them, and they were like, "Stop." <laughs> well, that isn't mentally scarring. I mean, you did. You weren't. Technically, you weren't there. Actually, you're right. The gnomes at the we, end were the ones who were yeah. like, "Yeah, stop." <laughs> yeah, they're the ones that didn't, that didn't see that one coming. But I mean, for instance, the the vet who were part of the cult of the null, they were care- that was uh, an NPC group that you had encountered earlier during your um, search wild space adventure for Astrogation Inc to see those characters come back a second time, especially at a religious festival of all things. That is as deep as I'm willing to cut before I might start hurting myself. Yeah, please do not hurt yourself. I tried to get I tried to give you as much yeah. cheese. <laughs> but so good. how do you feel about these characters coming back, reoccurring? What's with those super creepy dolls? Don't tell her. I don't know what it is, but I don't want to know. I just want it to keep reoccurring. There's an entire backstory to the super creepy knoll that I cannot tell you at this time. But you will learn. Because, like, one creepy stare at a time. He's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if an Amber guy, like, if a guy had done that at a party, I would have been like, someone needs to escort this person away. No, honestly, I... No, I don't really agree. 
just stares at you in the eye like slack jawed and doesn't say anything when you try to talk to them they are trouble and need to be away from you (laughs) (laughs) hey so what you're saying is achievement (laughs) (laughs) insert scene allison disapproves (laughs) <laughs> but but as far as I feel about the overall concept of returning NPCs, like I, I love it mm-hmm. because it creates a world in like- which you get to see the moving pictures. Because there might be, you know, there might not be scenes where we see them, but like we're gonna get to see what are these NPCs doing? Has they kind of roam the world and do different things? And the more people we meet, the more of those we're gonna get those right. interactions. Well, the more we see them, the more paranoid Kit's gonna be. Well, and I'm not talking about the nose. I'm talking about like all NPCs in general. Specifically, she's getting more the more that they pop up, like just because she had one run in. And now, like, every time they pop up, she's you know, like... You might think that he's a creep, but that Noel might just have some mental problems. This is and he true. just needs to see a therapist <laughs> but, and a psych- and, and a Noel, Noel psychologist. But I, but I Noel, agree with you. A Noelologist. And, like, yeah, they're going to get in your path a few more times if yeah. you're moving around. Yeah, right. I mean, without the Noels... You wouldn't have gotten the starship in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, without them, you would not have had a battle buddy at the auction. You you know that you were being hunted by the gnolls, and then when you when they finally caught up to you, it was under the worst circumstances possible because they were on vacation. Mm-hmm. They were intentionally trying to get away from work, which was you. <laughs> and you show up. <laughs> Will these gnolls have a have some deep-seated issues with you at this point? It, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not saying that they do or do not, because mm-hmm. I don't want to give that away. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, that's funny. Um... Um, so in regards to where this, where this story is going, what do you think or feel? I don't know where it's going. And I have no idea what's happening. I want to ask a deeper, a deeper question. Do you know where this story is going? Oh yeah. (laughs) I absolutely know where this story is going. And frankly, I'm kind of afraid. Why? Are you going to have to kill us all? Because it's also, there's no way we're going to follow the plot line that he thinks is obvious. Because as players, all players are kind of dumb. No, no, it isn't that. It's something that... uh, It was something that Trison forced Sin into agreeing to. Before oh, meeting that, oh, I don't want to. I did that, and I was like, well, I'm not gonna be there <laughs> for what? I'm sorry. So, who wants to meet Sins? Who does? Price it. Why? Because you're nuts. I don't know. 
but we're talking about a shadowy NPC who's intentionally placed layers upon layers upon layers to insulate himself from the public. I think it's the dragon that runs the something. Yeah. There's a dragon that runs the something. Well, there is well in the book there is a post office. Super There is a there is a star dragon by the name of Garfleys who is the most who is like the wealthiest individual in the entire galaxy. I think it's him. I don't know why, but I couldn't take that name seriously, and I'm sorry. It's okay. Blame blame TM the Adventure Zone. Garfield the Deals Warlock broke me. It's an M M anamorphic no like thing, but it's a cat merchant that runs a fantasy Costco. A cat merchant that runs a fantasy Costco. Yeah. The game? The Adventure Zone TM is a game ran by the McElroy brothers. They do uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me um, and tons of other stuff. I've heard of them. Big, 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 big time big, podcasters. Yeah, big time podcasters. They came on around a little bit after Critical Role was going on and they were one of like, I think one of their, one of the biggest, I think like audio only podcast mm-hmm. the live plays. Critical Role was the only one I <clears throat> Now, are these the same guys that do Acquisitions Incorporated? Or is that a different group? I think that's a different Okay. But yeah, essentially the McElroy brothers played D&D so hard that they cried. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean they cried? They finished the first game and they were just weeping messes. <laughs> like his brother his, like the so alright, I guess we're gonna talk about the McElroy brothers for a second because sure. they got me on the tangent. So the McElroy brothers are three different brothers and their dad, Clint, who play D D. They they started it half as like a joke thing on uh, my brother, my brother and me, and decided to start, you know, a little one shot called Here There Be Goblins. And it just spiraled into this huge arc. Like they've got comics coming out. There's been talks of maybe showing or making a movie out of it. When did it come out? Uh, a few years ago. I mean, I'd have to Google it and we can do that later. Um but, you know, the entire, their first D&D arc called Balance was basically, like, at the end, um, Griffin, the DM, was like, basically, this is a love note to my mother who died. Hmm. Like, they literally played D&D so hard they cried. Yeah, but there was a a real-life emotional attachment. There was. Bam. Just... They're not just people who play, they are a family. That's probably a distinct group catharsis right there. Mm-hmm. For, for what? It, it's it's really what got me into listening to DD podcasts and listening to DD online on a platform in general. Like without them, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, for me, it was Brandon Lee Mulligan. And of course it was. Alex uh, and Allison Axford and the others from um, Not Another D&D Podcast. And uh, that that was their first their first uh, campaign was very intense. It was very creative. 
I found it very inspiring, but it was, how do I put this? I mean, I've, I've you know, you think the standard D and D you think the standard hack and slash you go to critical role and there's so much depth to the characters, to the campaign setting and everything else. But that's how we learned to play. Yeah. Was watching Critical Role and being like, oh, that's how you're supposed to do yeah, that. But- and, and I'll say that too. Like when I started, there was that was not a thing at all. Yeah. It there really was no, helps. To there learn. was no such thing as let's go online and watch someone like that wasn't that wasn't a thing when I was a kid. Same. Even growing Honestly, up. I got into it. The reason that I finally came to my friend and was like, I really want to play D and D, but I have no idea how to start. You're crafty and smart and an engineer. Was you DM? (laughs) And she's the type of person who's like, I love to tell stories, sure. Mm -hmm. And like, but the the kicker, and you're going to hate this, was it was on iZombie. I get, well, and I see that it's on different platforms. iZombie? Yeah, it was yeah, a it's a TV show, iZombie, and I remembered mm. it also from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, because there is D&D sprinkles in certain and there's, there's an episode of Freaks and Geeks where Freaks teach uh, James Franco's character to play, and he gets so into it because he's like, all of a sudden it was like a way for him to like yeah. talk. Yeah. <laughs> and then like also with the iZombie, and then like they were playing, and I was like, finally I was like, I actually just really want to play. Like, that just looks so fun. Yeah. And I think you're seeing more of that these days, too. Like, you're seeing more representation. Yeah, and that was that was not something I was used to. I remember being fourth, fifth grade, and I've got these old-ass dragon magazines and these, like, you know, little, little books about, like, drow, and I have had kids all the time, like, what in God's name are you reading? <laughs> no, I mean, it was, like, uh, to be honest, I, I avoided Critical Role for the longest time. It wasn't until... Yeah, kind of did I. Uh, it wasn't until like Brandon... It wasn't until Brandon really pushed me into it that uh, that I started listening to Critical Role and I really got into it. I personally became very emotionally attached to the characters and where they're going. Um and the classic D&D is very hack and slash. There's not that much role play or there's not that much investment in the characters or the world. It's like, yeah, we're a party adventurers. We come to this town. We we find out about the problem. We go find the source of the problem. We slay the source of the problem. We come back to town. We get paid. We move on to the next town. And we never hear anything about the previous town ever again. And that's kind of why it like never appealed to me before I saw people playing it and and enjoying it. Like yeah. the because when people tell you or like something like that, you're just like. <clears throat> but Ugh. I will, yeah, but I will mean, say. Oh, sorry, I don't. No, go ahead. No, go um, ahead. But what my the thing about the traditional D and D game where that example occurs is that it's very cut and dry. There's no real personality or feel to it. Critical Role it put a lot of drama and personality and personal feelings and everything else into it. But what it really appealed to be about the Not Another D&D podcast was it was funny. 
they intentionally made it humorous and very enjoyable. Yeah, they had their moments of deep philosophical discussion and deep drama, but it wasn't. But it was the it was the comedy that kind of built the camaraderie at the table and was able. And the players, you could see there was this defined level of enthusiasm about okay. This session has finished taping. Let's get back on board as soon as possible. Let's get into the game as soon as possible. And I absolutely love that. And on that point, that is why I'm burned out on d and I've had too many years of just that. Of trying to push for something better and getting, let's move on to the next town. Let's move on to the next quest. Mm. Let's move on to the next adventure without any sort of arc, without any sort of NPCs returning, without that heart and soul that makes people love tabletop gaming. And mm. that is why I broke on D&D. Because I've had maybe in the total of my 19 years of playing it, maybe three years worth of that. In total, like we're talking mm-hmm. like little bits and pieces. And it's just broken me. I just don't care for it anymore. The format is too easy to allow that to happen. And I don't like it. It's too easy for D&D to turn into that. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you haven't been playing that long, but you've... But you used Critical Role as a template of what the game should be. Mm-hmm. And like, literally. Your, and your yeah. original group. Yeah. And hopefully all the groups, such as uh, when Curtis was running, and when Stanton was running, and when I was running, and, and running, even when Jason mm-hmm. was running. Um, I'm still on that game. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Um, but every one of them has their own DM personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but did, did you see what he's talking about? Where it's just where the passion, the desire to move from to move from one game session to the next game session was there like wanting to move the story along instead of actually like more than deeply just, engaging I think in from, the current thing or I, I think that what you're talking about maybe what you're feeling like is example. burnout is like watching the first couple of seasons of supernatural where the Winchester brothers were just moving from one town to another and There's resolving no- a case but there was no connectivity. There was no revisiting. Um, and none of the players, because of how the DM ran or because of how the story ran, allowed them to try to make an arc. They were just the same character every time. There was no story. There was no personality. They were just like, shuka shuka, roll some dice, attack, okay. That's why um, I, was, I was really sad when we weren't able to continue the Eberron game that you did that one shot for because I felt like that setup was conducive to having characters in one spot 
and having so much stuff happening in this town that they're mm-hmm. a part of. And then if they do travel, it's for something else. But like, it just seemed like there was a lot of like richness to it that that could be in that world mm-hmm. where we could just keep coming back and yeah. they could be, they could have homes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus Goblin Justin Bieber. Goblin That's Justin funny. Bieber. <laughs> when people, when DM set it up like that to where like there is kind of like what you do matters. Like you're yeah. gonna see what what you what happened. Like, and it might not even be anything, or you might not. But the fact that it could be there yeah. is what I want. Like I don't like when it feels like the ending would have been the ending no matter what you fucking did. Like yeah, the absence of the absence of choice. Yeah, like it doesn't matter that you did this. It just matters that someone did. This. Yeah, and anyone could have done it. Yeah. So like, I. I get frustrated with that, but like I, I haven't really seen that so much. But I also want more, like especially because we have played, and this will be something they don't have a great context for. But I want more Gale moments because that that was a very well thought out and very well played it was a character. Fun character. Like it wasn't just I go hit things; it was let me give you an entirely different perspective, which I was allowed to give. Mm-hmm. But how often? People allowed to have dialogues like that in games. They're not. It usually just doesn't happen. I haven't experienced that. But but you see what I'm saying, like just like maybe not experience, but the concept of that. Like, oh yeah, I could see that. Um, I found that once I stopped playing in games with younger people in it, my experience with D and D got a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I can't disagree with you. But I refer to it as the curse of youth. It is, and it makes people insufferable. And I don't like (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. All right, I see. (laughs) And you also get a lot more um, misogyny with younger players. Well, Um, they're self-centered. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they approach everything as a. I played long enough to see them both, so I didn't. They haven't played long enough for a woman other than their mother to heavily impact their life in a way but that I, they know how to speak to women. But I will say, though, also on top of that, though, is you can tell when they have sisters. Is over the years the amount of female players have greatly increased, which has helped. Because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's I think that's its own topic for. But it, yeah, like, but once <laughs> once I start playing with people with uh, just more life experience and more more willing to have dialogues, conversations, more wanting to be part of the role play and not mm-hmm. wanting to run in and stab stab stuff Mm -hmm. and be a hero and stuff like that like having to actually want to have more it's just about having it be more dynamic see i think you hit the nail right there because my personal feelings are when you're much younger it's very a first person game and you don't think beyond that but that's that's only because you don't have 
the, those individuals do not have those life experiences. Did you have a in the beginning? Not yet. Aww. Yeah. But I mean, those people, the, those players, they're still have a one. Do those players do not have a vast life experience to draw off of? And so it's a very me, me, me uh, centric. And that's great when they're all playing together. Well, I mean, just not at my table. <laughs> yeah. Or at least if their concept is funny enough, especially if they just fail a lot. That is fantastic to watch. Fun thing. Use book by and by. It's it's crapshoot. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. It is a crapshoot. <clears throat> kind of always is, but... but <laughs> I see what you mean on variables. <laughs> so, like, I do find that the more I play with, like, groups like this one and stuff like that, the people are more... More wanting to talk, like, yeah. like play out who their character is, and I guess I've always played like that. So I've always seen D and D as an opportunity to play something someone else. Like, I isn't that what it is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. It's escapism. Yeah, yeah. It's escapism. It. Well, I guess it depends on the individuals. For a lot of people, it is escapism. I personally don't. I can do both. Oh, for me, it's t- I don't. Mm-mm. I want to kill things. I want to be not me, and I want to say everything that. For me, it's escapism. It's an opportunity to remove myself from what I have to deal with on a daily basis, yeah. and it gives me the opportunity to be someone else. Well, I guess what I more mean by that is, so I improv and method act, but each character that I play does have an aspect of my personality oh, yeah. in it, in order to allow me to have a ley line connection between me and them. Because if I improv and method act them too hard, mm-hmm. you, no one will like me. The only way is put a little of yourself in there. Like you, have to be, you have to be able to put yourself truly in your character's shoes and how they would think. And in order to, in order to do that, they have to think somewhat like you. Well, that, that's that's a weird statement because you and I are part of Stephen's game. Mm-hmm. Do I seem like? Do I come across as a lazy slacker? I don't feel comfortable answering. <laughs> no. So, 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 like, play off and be like, I'm lazy, slap. but then there's parts that are still, like, kind of how you would react. No, I mean, You know, like. Okay, so I'm playing a clone of a red wizard of Thay who. It, who um, he did not up in Thay, which is a society and culture within the Forgotten Realms. Where the pursuit of power is foremost. And the idea of lying, cheating, stealing, backstabbing anybody that gets in your way in order to either hold on to the power that you have or to grow your power base further is is woven into the DNA of that particular area of the Forgotten Realms. But I... And, but this character that I'm playing 
Donovan, of all people, has come out and openly stated is the world's laziest wizard. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. He was spicy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm... I, I... When I'm motivated, I'm on point. I... I am not lazy, but I'm trying. But when I'm unfocused, I can procrastinate like the best of them, and it's it's not. It's very strange because I'm role playing something that I feel is the opposite of me, where I'm actively trying to gain the most wealth with the least amount of effort possible. And it's it's very different. But like you said, you got to put a little bit of yourself into your character if you're going to have a good experience. I mean, my last character in Jason's game, you know, like I started her out. She was insane. Yeah. Quite literally insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, I had to take parts of, like, my crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, like, amplify it. <laughs> just a little (laughs) for me i have to set a boundary because i i don't show it but i'm a very good method and improv actor but i don't because if i go too deep down the rabbit hole i start to enter heath ledger joker territory (laughs) (laughs) where i just that in tune with my character where it is no longer Kane talking and performing in front of you. It's the character. You're very Andy Kaufman. I am very good at it. I don't do it on purpose because if I delve down that rabbit hole. <laughs> what, what? How do you establish those boundaries? I'm just a very reflective human being and I know when enough is enough. Okay. Because Cause that's all I do with my life is reflect on the Stupid dumb shit that I've done for the last uh, 29 years of my life. Yeah. No, but uh, the reason I'm asking is because this was the very reason that I ended up having to step away from Jason's game. That I went too far down that rabbit hole. I got too caught up where. Yeah, you're it, really evil. Kind of. I was angsty. Yeah, you were very. That's better. I, I was very angsty, and I was very angry, very distrustful, and that was bleeding into that was there was some point where it stopped being role playing and started becoming reality for me, and I rec and and there's that difference. Yeah, it never bleeds over for me. Yeah, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that I have a lot of weird. Discipline and trauma-related triggers mm-hmm. that stop stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm a very oddly brainy, put-together human being that I don't try to think about too hard, because when I do, it makes me want to go take headache medicine. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I miss you guys, I'm wondering... I'm. St- I'm very gun-shy about asking Jason if I can return. Would you... I mean, you'd have to play a different character. Well, yeah. 
but at the same time, um, my fear is that he runs a very drama heavy game. He does. I think that's why I like it so much. (laughs) I saw what happened the first time. Yeah. And I'm afraid of the same thing happening again to me. Here's the question I want to ask though. Okay. Are you afraid to join because you don't think you can do better? Or are you afraid to join because you're pretty sure that's what's going to happen again? I I would say it, it's the statement to the, the answer to the question is somewhere in between because he runs a very drama heavy game that is that really pulls you into the story and it's a fear of I don't completely trust myself because I there you know depending upon the game and how much drama is involved I know that I I have the potential of slipping sink going too far and that and getting caught up and going too far and slipping from playing a character to obsession may be the best way. Like, you know how method actors, they dive themselves into the role. They try to stay in the role as long as possible because they, they feel that... Lose their yeah. And it's like... This is just a role-playing game. And if that happens, playing a role-playing game, I may lose my love of role-playing games. Yeah. I could see that. If if you... Something pulls too hard at you. (laughs) It's like, ooh. I do and I don't. But you also know that I am a very headstrong, very forward individual who likes mm-hmm. to punch themselves in situations they have no business being in. Mm-hmm. So, but that's 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 what I like to do. It's what I love to do. I love to challenge myself and improve and become better. And not for the concept of becoming perfect, but because by improving and trying at something, it makes me a, a more well-rounded person. Right. But... Again, those are my opinions, and I think that you could do something like that, and if you're really that scared, put safeguards in place. Talk to the DM. Talk to the other players. Let them know about how you feel. Express to the to them these problems that you're you're just afraid of. But but at the same time, understand it's not their responsibility, but yours. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, they're also your other players, and some of them are your friends, mm-hmm. and would be willing to help. And maybe that could be something. Yeah. Something to think of. Right. And, you know, I mean, Jason made every effort to check in and ask, you know, how are things going? Uh, how are you feeling about this or that? Uh, where where are your motivation, motivations coming from? And I did not talk to him. I had to figure... Sh- stuff out how very your character of you how very yeah. you <laughs> and it was like it's like what you do yeah Something you don't like, like to it. talk about the problems right and it was like when i finally opened up to him it was like 
yeah he understood where i was coming from and that was like that was the biggest thing for me it's like if i tell him what i'm thinking and feeling well i will he not understand and that leads to alienating myself Hmm. but yeah you're right that is a personality defect that i possess and And yeah we all have issues. None of us perfect. Right. I try. Damn it. Such a relieving day. Everyone is having this freaking dance in their head. Mm-hmm. And I ain't special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because my mind's racing all the time. And like that everyone is like, I've become so much more comfortable being like, yeah, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I don't get this. This is hard. I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and just being open with it because like no one else is. And if they say that they are, they're lying. Mm-hmm. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just fucking lying. And so, like, if anything, if they're like, you know, I'm fine. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're fucking liar. You're worse off than me because you can't admit it. Like, <laughs> everyone is. And, like, what's the worst? Like, they're going to, if you feel alienated, like, like you kind of have to be like, well, they're kind of alienating themselves by not opening themselves up to understanding other people's stuff. Well, I don't think it's all that. I, I think it's also a fear of not being able to explain yourself correctly. Because all people want to communicate, but we all fucking suck at it. Oh. I mean, some people are amazing. I, I'll just look at people and be like, okay, you're going to have to repeat yourself. Move your lips so I can see them because today I'm off. And <laughs> I'll be like, yes, okay, we'll have this conversation like <laughs> Like, Anyways. I bet I get it. I get I don't know if there's more things you would like to stir us towards. Um, cause man, we found some rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I really like about D and D is like you do get to know people in a very different way than you would get to know them. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I'm Just sorry. Talking. I'm sorry. You have to. In general, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, truth be told, if, if you ever met me and like like somewhere we were like chatting, like I don't think. Would you be like, oh, I see myself being friends with that person? (laughs) Yeah. Friendship with me is weird. Let's not get in that rabbit hole in the podcast. (laughs) But, like, the stories that they tell and the the things that they choose to to do and, like, how they play and, like, things like that, I think it's a really fun way to get to know someone. And, like, I think that you get to know who people really are really fast more so than conversations like by the decisions and stuff that they make. So like I've really dug getting to know everyone like and through the play, like I've, I've been going through stuff like that. So like I find that fascinating. Now circling back to a statement that Kane has said, are you feeling that you're getting burned out on D and D. Yeah. You love it. You like. You want to continue it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really like it. I really like playing other games too. Like, I like all of it. 
Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's still all very brand new (laughs) for me. And um, yeah, I've always really liked like fiction and fantasy Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so this is definitely more active (laughs) than reading good stories. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy that part. Cool. And like, I, so I don't, I don't see myself getting super burnout on like the escapist part and everything like that. I see myself getting burnout on just like every time starting a game and starting on level one. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, hit like, the nail. Honestly, if I have to start at level one again and I've only been playing how many years and I've only made like, honestly, like seven, like maybe six characters in my whole life. I don't want to play another one, level one. You're making me hostile. <laughs> I've only made six or seven level one characters. Yeah. I have mounds. One through ten. I am so excited for anything beyond level eleven. It must suck. It does. <laughs> I could see getting angry burnt out of all that. Like, like, not, of course, I'm not actually hostile, but like, yeah, it's something that bothers me so much. I'm starting him, and I'm starting everyone late. I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> I am freaking there. So I could get burned out on ooh, so fast. So I know that we've been talking about me wrapping up the or taking a hiatus from the campaign, though. If Trison's actions unfold. <laughs> that might be sooner than we <laughs> it may not be a gradual stop <laughs> depending upon how those conversations go um, and we have spoken at length about um, switching from dark matter to another game system another campaign setting like for instance you Kane, you've offered to run Monster of the Week. Yep, I can run Monster of the Week. I can but run... My question here is... All sorts of stuff. How would... Considering that we've been talking about uh, switching game systems and switching campaign settings, it, yeah, Monster of the Week, the Apocalypse system does not have a level one concept per se you played it already and know what it's like well and i loved my character i don't i don't think you remember and then i don't have to i still have it yeah (laughs) and then um (laughs) daphne meets willow (laughs) that's not a good sign (laughs) (laughs) that's not a good sign she's right she's the Uber powerful witch that tends to get kidnapped by the big bad at every opportunity. <laughs> but I mean, it's like whether we go Monster of the Week or we go and we follow Thomas down the the whole the Warhammer forty k roll. Very interested hole. in how that happens. But how? I mean, I don't. I here's what I know about Warhammer mm-hmm. they wear suits Henry Cavill 
<laughs> if that was all I knew about Warhammer, maybe I would feel a little more confident about going into that game. As but know. so. And Henry Cavill, you know, decent looking man. <laughs> but how do you feel about Henry Cavill? No. <laughs> I mean, you just said you just said that you you're not comfortable with uh with starting off from level 1 again. And for war, for monster of the week, you don't have to worry about that particular problem. But for a Warhammer 40k game where your level of knowledge Frankly, my level of knowledge is almost is just it's a little bit of us. Um, how do you feel about going into a new game or game system where you are essentially looking at starting at level one again? That part doesn't bug me because, like, yeah, you're learning a whole new system. I mean, it's like learning a whole new video game. Like, you need to go through... Well, I guess y'all don't. You need to go through the tutorial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, that. that's fine. But, like, again, if it was something that I wanted to pick up... Mm-hmm. And, like, that's my game for the next mm-hmm. decade. And I have to keep doing it. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. I mean... You, you can kind of mitigate it by doing different types of characters, but I imagine you run out of classes real fast for all the beginning stuff that you can do. Jane, you're like the expert here (laughs) when it comes to Warhammer 40k. Between the three of us, you have the most experience with the game and the game system. I know that one of the big hangups that I possess regarding Warhammer 40k is how gloomy and depressing the world is. And it is. I mean, it's not... It's not Shadowrun level dystopia, but it is a world at war. Well, and it's just a very, very bleak world. There are troubles around every corner for the Ethereum of man. Space is not friendly. Period. That's a question. That's a question. Ask it. Why don't you just ask it and I'll see if I can answer. Can you be a warlord? What do you mean? Can I would like define a warlord. Like, do you, you? We can go down that route, but judging by what he's saying, I just feel like if you're looking to win, maybe evil might be your best option. Here, here is my opinion. If you're actually asking my opinion on Warhammer and all that, all that, all that other stuff, it would be super fun to play. But there. I feel like people need to have knowledge before just going in. I feel like it is a game that has way too much lore and way too many things that you can fall into. Pit traps that you aren't even aware of being there. Because oh, I will you simply just die immediately. Just because you don't know the lore. Like, here's an example. So you know the big space marines, right? The big guys with big armor and... That wear the suits. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you play a female character, you can never be one. Period. End of story. I figured. Ever, because there is none. Well, yeah, it's dystopian, so women can't do shit. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's the sisters of battle, and that's about it when it comes to that. Cool. Yeah. Like, it's... <clears throat> to be... And honest. it's a very bleak setting. They look at <clears throat> technology in a very weird way. It's It has a lot of potential to be fun, but it also is very gloomy, 
and it's very gritty. It's very dark. Like, the, like it's supposed to talk about how you get gruesome wounds I mean, and how, like... Stanford kept us in hell for, like, a year. So, like, but I mean, gloomy. But, I mean, we <laughs> were heroic characters that were fighting the influences of hell. Your char- no. your character's just scraping to fucking survive. Okay, my character didn't fight because life either. is yeah. like every <laughs> every the if you walked away from a for- a forty k game feeling harrowed, that was a good session. Mm. Like you were like you went through a trial, both mentally and physically. That is a good game of Warhammer. In, in, at least in the essence or the theme of See, the, the game. Is, the thing is, is that for me, Warhammer 40k was very reminiscent of World War II. I mean, I like and it, so I hate myself. The, the only difference is that World War II never ends. Yeah. That that's my perception of Warhammer 40k. There, theme setting, like it's there is no there is no sense of accomplishment. There, there is and there can be. It just depends on what, where we kind of go in the Warhammer universe. And it, I just don't, I don't have enough, ex- like, yes, I know the lore, but I don't have enough gaming experience to be able to steer us one way or the other. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. So I'm not 100% sure on that. I just know the world as a whole is hard. Thomas is going to be very disappointed with our like, knowledge. Well, no, I know quite a bit of the, like, I know the lore, at least of the Empire and stuff like that. But I just don't, I don't have a setting, like, maybe if I read some of the books, maybe that would help me. Like, some of the books that are just about Warhammer and I mean, stuff, maybe. to be fair, but I don't really know most of the D&D lore either. Oh, boy. I know. <laughs> I mean, as a DM, you try to introduce it. It just seems like a lot of shit to learn for, like... Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what would help, too, is <clears throat> you've been playing, what, five years now? Yes. Near. It's time to get your ass behind the shield soon. No. <laughs> That's a deep statement. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to, but it is so... It, it is an experience I so recommend. Like, I did not like playing. What? what? You did not like playing Rogue? Mm-mm. I didn't like having to get too close to people. Interesting. You know what I mean by shield, right? Like, be a DM. Oh no! I no, thought you were. I meant you need to. St- I thought you were telling me I needed to finally play a melee character and like no, have no, a shield because no, no, I no. always play fucking. No, no, you need to be a dungeon master. You need to start running games soonish. It's great. It's such an eye-opening experience. No, that sounds very difficult. It sounds very difficult, but and you don't even have to make your own stuff up. You can run something that someone already written. And even then, DM, if someone pisses you off, can you just like off them? Throw stuff at them. Like, are you talking on an individual level, or are you talking like a character level? 
Oh, like see. if I piss Thank you me. off, can you start grabbing cookies and throw them at me? That's no, right. I will. I will be very upset. But like you. a wild pack of Yetis could show up and like attack you. I have actually seen that, awesome. and <laughs> you know, in that Everon game. Do it. I brought it. Go ahead. I just want to make sure. In, in that, <laughs> in the Everon game that we were part of, that one player, Christian, oh. he he pushed me really hard and resisting to resisting the impulse to do that very difficult but yeah you can absolutely do that well <laughs> i i, I was just in a game it. i was in a game where one of the other players a friend of mine was playing a warlock and he kept Pushing and pushing and pushing, and the DM said, essentially said, "I have had it with you. You are done." And he used a polymorph spell and turned him into a trout. But he, but I was, I didn't want to see him die as a fish out of water in a very literal sense. So I dumped him into a river, and now the. So now in that particular campaign world, there is a trout swimming in the swimming in the river that can, that will cast Eldritch Blast at fishermen who try to snag it. <laughs> but but it was a spiteful reaction to an annoying player. So the answer is yes, you can. But. I don't know. It just seems complicated, and like you have to know stories. The the, the best real way secret to is to that. add plus three to attack, mm. plus five to damage, and give it fifty hit points for everything he fights. <laughs> Actually, just a little bump, so he doesn't from, notice. But you're kind of just from that. That's one way of dealing it. Also, I feel like I would fudge numbers. Oh, DM fudge numbers all the time. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, I feel like. Because there are times where they're like, I don't want this to end because if I let this natural 20 go through, the yeah. game's over. I, yeah. I feel like if the shield's up, like, I just wouldn't be able to help myself. See, the, one of the like, things. A good story. One of, to answer, That's the point being to answer your question here about can you do this? Can you screw over another a player at the table? One of the things that it took me a long time to learn. Is that it's it is entire it is it's one thing to heavy hand uh, a player at the table. That's falling, getting in your way. Yeah, just like tripping over wombats for like the next thirty minutes. My point here is (laughs) it's spiteful, but very easy to do it that way. Mm -hmm. A more difficult but organic way. To do something like that is to just keep track of what the players do in game, because we're idiots. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the short way of it. But it's like they're giving you enough rope to hang themselves with, because they because they go in and they got have this thought or misconception that because they are the hero of the story, they are above the law. That they can do anything that they want in the game and get away with it. And it's, and to deal with those players, 
what I've learned to do is keep track of everything that they've done and you will build up a, you can build up enough of a, a viable explanation to send a pack of womp rats after them. Uh, and it's entirely based upon the player's actions in the game. Mm-hmm. And if they don't seem to have any conceptualization that, hey, I messed up, I need to do better, then this is the way to punish them. And if they if they say, oh, you're being unfair about that, bullshit. That, that's, uh, it, it's just, for me, it's that simple that if someone's intentionally screwing up the game or doing stuff that is going to fuck over the gaming experience, they're probably doing so much wrong in the process that they're not going to get away with it. All you have to do is keep track of it and then find a suitable opportunity to to give them a firm notion that actions have consequences. But some of that shit you should allow and some of the funniest shit you'll ever fucking see. <laughs> like, did you know that in the Heist of the Dragon Queen or whatever, you if you play it right, you can get one of the dragon masks? Oh, yeah. I've heard, uh, I've heard people have done that. I've never actually seen that happen. My dad did that, cast major illusion on a pair of underwear and made it the mask and swapped them out. <laughs> pair of underwear? Your dad wears underwear? Character. <laughs> like I said, like it's weird. <laughs> I mean, you hear, you say, "Yeah, I'm dressed up in leather armor, and I, I have all these weapons on me." And it's like, are you wearing anything under that? I have to admit that that does cross my mind at times. Like, especially. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you you come across that that one paladin who's in complete full plate armor, and he never takes off his helmet and whatnot. And it's like that shit must stink after a while. Do you? It doesn't. And frankly, if you sleep in your armor and you travel in your armor and you never take it off and you never air it out, oh yeah, it's going to reek. And people wonder why. Why displacer beasts come after them? Because you reek, man. Yeah. I mean, take a bath. Okay, but when was the last time you let us know that your character used the bathroom? <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of silly to decide <laughs> when realism should apply and when realism shouldn't. And some of these things are implied or things that we just don't even talk about. Yeah. I mean, that's why I look that's, for monsters. That's my opinion. I mean, but meanwhile, like, in Jason's campaign, we do say when we're gonna, like, oh, man, I'm taking the opportunity to get a bath. Yeah. Like, like well, that well, is actually... And a, ba- and a bath makes sense, but, like, again, it's like what... We have a character if that it's not a, it's, sleeps in bathtubs. If it's not a, <laughs> if it's not established, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Like, where do exactly. you draw that line of realism and, like... My character's peeing. She, she really had to drop a deuce. <laughs> but, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. You at least get what I'm saying. Yes, so. absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I I admit that every once in a while I will intentionally look for an, uh, for some sort of monster that has advantage on perception based upon the sense of smell. And it's like, how did these dire wolves find us? Well, when was the last time you washed, you aired out your armor so it doesn't smell like armpit? Kind of obvious. That's why you have a wizard, and the wizard hands the DM a card. I cast Presentation every morning. You know what the funniest, the weirdest thing was? Chris Stamos. For whatever reason, he, for the longest time he said, one of my standard equipment items is a bar of soap. And it wasn't until I got mauled by a giant hyena that I, just, <laughs> that I finally understood why. So, right, I see this ever being an issue too, because I don't see me DMing. Mm -hmm. But I remember there being one time where it was like uh, something happened in one of your games that was just like super not okay and like over the line, like Someone just chopped off someone's hand for no fucking reason. And, like, we dialed it back. But, like, how do you, like, how did you know how to handle that situation? Or how do y'all handle situations? Because I also saw a question on, like, a D&D &D forum where, like, a player was having trouble with that. Like, someone crossed the line. So, it depends on the, for me as a DM, it depends on the line that's crossed. If it's the gruesome line... You probably shouldn't be at my table anyways. Sorry. Like, I... Sometimes I want to go into detail because I want to paint a better picture for you. Yeah. Has, has my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Because I want you to understand the severity or whatever that's going. So it depends on what the action is. And for me, like, I don't include a lot of, like, flirtatious, sexy mm -hmm. line stuff because that's just... It's too easy of a, of a line to cross that goes into creepy immediately. Yeah, and that's what yeah. this girl was talking about, was like that line, and I like, I honestly would like leave a table if no, the line like, was crossed. But like, for... but as far as like, there's just certain situations that give players the it, you yeah. know? For To answer your question. Because I remember that situation, it wasn't necessarily like I'm offended or appalled, it was just like that whole situation rubbed me the yeah the dm to answer your question on that particular situation yeah the player had approached me beforehand and said i want to play chaotic evil and i personally am deeply opposed to anyone playing chaotic evil because they have it in their head you're not that, careful with the team with your chaotic evil that's just not not chaotic evil. not even that but they think that they can do whatever and it's okay. And it's like, no. Chaotic evil has, <clears throat> in my mind, chaotic evil has very strict rules to it. You have to have a mentality. You have to have a philosophy that directs your chaotic evil. And you have to spell it out to me even before the game begins, mm -hmm. before you can even try. Because it was funny, because with my character, the way that she is, mm -hmm. when that set up, if you hadn't dialed it back, my character was going to murder him. Yeah. 
Like straight up. Yeah, like when like I said, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I had the feeling that there were a lot of player so, characters. That's how I was. I was so fascinated when you know, y'all like when you were like, okay, like we're we're gonna walk that back. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know who the player it was, was outside of this pop. Oh, you already know it. Is it who I think it is, and I'm deeply, deeply annoyed by the said individual. Yes. Continue. Yeah, because I mean, it was either retcon it. Yeah. And give them an opportunity to correct their course of action. Yeah. Or, based upon the way that the Forgotten Realms is actually written, the patron deity of that city would have stepped in and corrected him by force. It's like it's like the way that Daggerfall is written. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's Lathander, the god of adventurers. Yeah. Okay. He hasn't, he, unlike the other gods, he has an active influence in that city. He watches over the city and he makes sure that everything runs okay. Oh, shit. The party didn't know. And it's the, and when evil, he understands that evil occurs because evil. That's just the nature of evil. But the uh, he also operates with the expectation that the good in people will rise up and fight evil. And, no, and if that does not happen, if people are just blasé and let things go by as is, he actually steps in and does something about it. And it is... It, and everybody sees it and everybody knows it. It's one of those life-changing events. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I didn't want to go that route because it would mean the DMs actively being heavy-handed on it. Yeah. Okay. So talking that player through the actions so they understand what they were doing is wrong and why, and then giving them the opportunity to say, well, I changed my mind. I decided I'm, I'm, that it's not in everybody's best interest to go follow through with that. It was I thought that was the better course of action and it yeah. worked out. And I all worked itself out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was also really excited to murder him. <laughs> so It isn't every day that <laughs> <clears throat> player versus player I mean, player versus player should never occur. Must never I felt occur. Like my character would but in her there, in her uh, eyes, there are times where PvP does occur. And for the life of me, I I, Donovan has been very patient with me. Really, <laughs> it's weird. Oh yeah, because I I. The, the thing is, is that my character is a neutral evil character. Mm-hmm. I roleplay him as the bad Samaritan. He sees bad things happen and assumes that someone else is going to take care of it. Yeah. Um, but he's also the world's laziest wizard. So he he's looking for... <laughs> it, well, the thing is, is that I, I have... Because I have taken actions... And then actively avoided the consequences. That has come back and revisited the party on more than one occasion. 
the entire party knows that it's my fault that this has happened. And I'm very lazy fair about what I do. And it's like, I, uh, I, I'm, I, uh, I pursue the core, the, I pursue the path of least resistance because it's the easiest way to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we, there was a situation where we went to the island of Dark Desire and it was a rescue mission. Uh, we were supposed to rescue this good wizard that was captured by the cult of Leviatar, who's this goddess of pain and suffering. And <clears throat> we were supposed to go in Find this one person, extract him, and leave. <laughs> Donovan's playing a lawful good paladin of Bahamut, which is like the uber, I am a super good guy of all dragons. He does like playing good guys. Yeah. And we get to the island of Dark Desire and we discover um, yeah. they have slavery. They have no issues about torturing or killing people um and that's all in line with the with the goddess that they follow and i kept saying no don't save the slaves don't get involved let's go in let's find this person get out done because that was the path of least resistance ignoring all the other bad things happening around us and just focus on the one thing that we're there for but Donovan couldn't let it go. And the rest of the party, they weren't necessarily good guys, but they could not turn a blind eye to what was going on. And so we ended up saving those slaves. Donovan mentally communicated with this person that was in a pit named Miles, who turned out to be a sentient gelatinous cube because the... because. He was essentially the garbage disposal for all the dead bodies of all the slaves that these cultists were dealing with. And it eventually fed on so many sentient creatures that it became sentient itself. So then we had to go and save the, we, we had, because this person now had an identity, because this creature now had an identity and personality donovan and the others insisted that we had to save you just save a fucking okay yeah (laughs) because they're good samaritans and i'm not i would not have gone that far i would not have done that yeah (laughs) but they said yeah we're this is what we're doing because it's the right thing to do and i was like no don't we there were there were hags on this island that wanted a newborn baby that one of the slaves had birthed in order to create their coven on this island. And the easy way out was to hand over the child. And I wanted to hand over the child because all I cared about was just, I mean, the plan, the, the quest has gone to shit. We, we were supposed, we were a team of five. We were supposed to be a, a a team of five and one one victim that we were supposed to save. And suddenly, we're trying to escort 35 people off this island. It's like, how the hell are we doing this? 
we had to lie, cheat, and steal just to get on this island. And now you want to save everybody. <clears throat> but no. We saved the kid. We killed the we killed those hags. It's like, uh, we're doing so much good that we're just gonna this is all gonna come back on us. Eventually someone's gonna find out what we did on this island, and they're gonna come after us. But I've been but my character has been actively dodging the consequences of their actions by redirecting the people that were angry at me towards other people or just hiding. Um, heck, um, <clears throat> framing other people. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and it's like, okay. And it's, it's like, I know that I'm eventually going to have to pay that bill. But uh, as far, as long as I stay one, as long as I can, I'm going to stay one step ahead of people that are chasing me in order to keep being the utter bastard that I am. But Donovan being the very driven good guy that he is and his character is, I don't know where his patience comes from. I keep expecting him to say, to lift up that maul of his while I'm asleep on the ground and just end me because <laughs> it's a lot easier than to than to be the person that he is but he continues to be the person that he is but as much as i push donovan we sit down and we socialize and we talk things through at length just to make sure that at the end of the game session there are no hard feelings between us and i don't know if that occurs in other games or in other groups. <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> Kane knows that, I, that I'm a firm believer that communication is the key to work your way through any and all situations. Mm -hmm. um, and I push for that. I push for that hard. And yeah, to answer your question, even though it was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> sure was. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, we had, I've had long conversations with that particular player that, you you know, you your character said, okay, that, that was, that was over the line and should not have happened, but... I pushed that I pushed that communication with him so hard to at least have him understand why I was diametrically opposed to that action and gave him an opportunity to I mean he did well because like literally her flag went up and just said that was evil. Yeah. And her personal mission is to kill evil men. Yeah. yeah. The problem is isn't that isn't that he plays evil. The problem is that he plays stupid and there's a difference. Well for her, for my character, the problem was that's evil. You're evil. Yeah no. I I, I could give two shits about a person about a player if cool. all if everything just goes to if all my I don't I don't have evil flags, I have stupid flags. Yeah. And if those fire that's what I care about. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the thing is, is that the thing is that a truly <sighs> sorry well played evil character is one that has a mission, that has a goal, the one that believes he's the hero of his own story, even though he. There hurts a, a lot of people in the process. There is a reason Handsome Jack from Borderlands is one of the best villains that were written. Yeah. yeah. I just, I feel like a lot of people do heavy-handed with evil, and, like, I think if you're gonna play evil, it has to be, like, that subtle kind of evil. You can't, you can't... You can't just go out and be like, stab! So a collective storytelling experience, and you can't bring a character to the table that goes, I like to kick puppies and shoot babies. Yeah. Like... Like you need no one's order. gonna, no one's gonna have fun with someone order. who's evil to just be evil. Insidious, like you would need someone who's like really friendly, plotting, yeah. to be legal good. It's why it's, it's like, why lawful evil and neutral evil are the two best forms of evil. Yeah, like I, I as a human being, dangerously flirt with neutral evil quite often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I just I feel like if you're gonna play evil, don't go bleh, I'm evil. Yeah. I mean it's like another form of chaotic evil. I screw with other people's lives for my own entertainment. Yep. That's not evil. I mean some of that shit's just funny. Yeah, but when the other lives that you're screwing around with are the people at the table trying to play their characters. I draw a hard line there. Yeah, but sometimes. Um, no matter how funny it is. I mean, if it's accidental, it's hilarious. Well, yeah, yeah. And I'm but not saying to purposely go around and be a douche nozzle, but yeah. like, yeah. there are times where when you mess with someone and their character or something that they're doing, it can result. Especially when you try to do it and then you fail <clears> to do it. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Okay. I'm incapable of playing lawful. Like, I'm not thing. incapable. I feel like it would be a challenge for me to play a lawful character. The thing is, is that in order to play a lawful character, you have to understand the law. So, you're not wrong. That's <laughs> I've never bothered. It, it, I mean, if if we le- lived in the world where dueling was acceptable. Like in the Old West, mm-hmm. the shootout at high noon. If we were in a world where that was legal mm-hmm. and in practice, would your lawful character have a real issue if there was a duel taking place and you knew that someone was going to die? Well, that doesn't matter, right? Because lawful is just lawful. It's whatever the law is. Yeah, but... And then you have evil good and whatever. Well, I mean, it's like lawful good is... is following the law for the betterment of everybody. Lawful evil is manipulating the existing laws in place for your own benefit. Yeah, it's not right, but... It's legal. Mm-hmm. Lawful neutral is my favorite form of lawful. <laughs> follow the law. It's all about the letter of the law. It's not about the spirit of the law. Yeah. So, <laughs> how, what just direction? Gravitated towards wanting to play lawful. Yeah. So I just don't. Lawful's hard. 
I don't Luffle's yeah, hard. And I if you want that. and if you want one of the best forms of representation of Lawful in play for those types, look into Pathfinder and look at Hell Knights. Hmm. Oh. So they are usually not usually lawful good, but they are more lawful evil, lawful neutral. And they will burn entire fucking towns. Yeah. For, because it's a letter of the law. It's it's you know, it's survival of the fittest. Yeah. It's, the last yeah, the last time that fun playing lawful. It's a fun con like it's a yeah. fun fundamental concept to play around in though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, there's so many different ways that you could twist it. Like the last Pathfinder game that I was in, I played a paladin. But my concept was the evil Captain America. It was like manipulating the law for the benefits of the many. It doesn't have to all it's, uh, it's not about the selfishness of the few. I did not perceive it as what's good for the many. What's good, what's good for the many versus the good for the few. It's what's selfish for the many. Versus the selfish of the few. Like, I had no problem stealing. As long as the wealth was redistributed amongst the many people. Because greed is good. How is that not chaotic good? It's all about uh, your outlook on it. Mm -hmm. Chaotic good would basically say, I'm doing something good, but... The actions that I'm taking are geared toward, are not legal means. Like, here's a good example of chaotic good. Remember when we had that conversation way back when about how that Null was a prisoner? She was like a slave or whatever, and you wanted to free her? Because mm-hmm. she was running away because she was going to be sold off as like a bride or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like you were chaotic good in that sense because yeah, it was te- chaotic. technically speaking, law, that was not a lawful yeah. action. What they were doing is completely within the laws and yeah. their more tribal traditions. But she was like, no, because that's, that's not that, right. Essentially, we were having the arguments, the philosophical arguments between a lawful neutral character, mm-hmm. which was uh, what. Gail. Gail was mm-hmm. and a chaotic good character. Mm-hmm. That is what that 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 is the fundamental of that argument was yeah. like you, you, you what you're doing is good, yes, but you're doing it wrong. But that's why I always gravitate towards chaotic good well, and chaotic neutral. Well it's because you it's because you want to play a character that can do I what they feel is right and right. just not give a shit about how you reach those results. You just want to Or I play good. chaotic neutral because I just or yeah. even to do what I want to do, but not be an asshole. Yeah, if you take a look at most, <laughs> why you do? After that, yeah. it's fine. So <laughs> I try to live by that rule, but it's hard to be what I already am. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, it's like if, there's no escape in it. If you take a look at most action movies, most of those characters are chaotic good. Yeah. And, like that's the thing is I understand chaotic good. Yeah. If I were to <laughs> if I were to try and play lawful whatever, mm-hmm. I would probably end up yeah playing chaotic good. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, like, I mean when I like where I sit when when I play lawful evil, which is funny because actual personality, I guess I'm like lawful neutral to good. Well, technically speaking, all humans are all alignments all the time. <clears throat> yeah. Fine. Yeah, we don't. Uh, we don't really. 
we don't really fall into those categories because it's too black and white to describe a well, normal that person. Buzzfeed quiz. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. Do you have stronger attachments to certain personality types? Of course you do. But yeah. but I mean, when I play Lawful Evil, I I take a look at what's the most. Oh, please don't feed my cat. I'm not feeding him. It's a paper. Uh, yeah, he just he will eat it. Yeah, oh. he's dumb. Like, he's sniffing this plastic, he's realizing it's plastic, he's going to chew on the plastic because he likes the flavor of plastic. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's like... <laughs> but it's like... Cat yeah. My cat <laughs> jalapeno cheese. But it's like, when I play my lawful evil character, I take a look at what is the most what is the most right thing to do that helps me achieve personal gain instead of helping everybody overall. Hmm. Like here here's a really good way to look at lawful lawful evil too or those lawful alignments. Like say you're under attack or whatever and you've got wounded in your camp and you've got to either decide to move the wounded, protect the wounded, kill the wounded. They're going to kill the wounded because That's they easiest. they don't have to they don't have to worry about them and it's a swift and merciful death compared to whatever is about to happen. For me, but, but, for me, lawful evil is take no prisoners. Because prisoners require time, they require food, effort, yeah. they require supplies. That you kill all the prisoners, uh, then that's less that you have to deal with. No, that... But okay. it's still lawful because if you're fighting in a war, you know, you're still fighting for a cause. Yep. You're still following orders. Yep. Yep. Okay. So... Are there, like, any classes that y'all just will not play anymore? Just hail snow? Like, in what D&D? Yeah. Not yet. Mm. I mean, the thing is, is that they keep coming out with Probably Ranger, because it's a pile of doo-doo garbage. See, everybody says that. It is. Mechanically, it's the worst of all the classes. Everybody says that. Like it just has some nice features if you're gonna do something specific within a certain certain setting. But like, I'm sorry, Fighter Man shouldn't be able to shoot a bow or do some of the things that have always been Ranger specific things for years now. Better. See, everybody says that. <laughs> you're saying the same thing, but like, but yeah, <laughs> I'm saying the same thing, it's but really you like me. No, it, it's, it's more than that. be better Hawkeye. Okay, but here's the thing. You began your sentence with saying, mechanically speaking. No, I'm not saying that you're wrong. <laughs> but I have never taken a look at, look at the mechanics when I take up a role. Yeah, like, I know, because you told me about everything, man, and it hurt my soul. Everything. Oh, that's a that's a different podcast episode. But like you you remember the you remember the game that Tim ran? Yes. I I, I was playing a geriatric paladin. Yes. I was a pay, I was playing a paladin that was well into his sixties. Yes. I was chasing windmills. Brain. Brain. But it, it was like at the very beginning. 
one of the th first things that Curtis was bringing up was um, the action economy of a paladin was very limited because you have the action, you have a bonus action, you have a reaction, you have a move, and that and what you can do with your paladin pa abilities is fairly limited within that particular scope. But I threw the mechanics out of the window from day one. I didn't care about an action economy. All I cared about was playing Don Quixote. Yeah. And what character class best fit. That's a funny character. And like it's like, character. he's clearly a paladin. Utterly misguided, but clearly a paladin. You doing good? But right there, it's like people say Ranger is the most broken character class in the entire game. But I don't look at the mechanics. I look at the concept. I look at what character class and subclass fit the concept that yeah. I want to play, and I play it. Like, for the life of me, I want to play a goblin that that is a war writer. But you cannot play, you, you cannot play, you, there's no way to have a warg as a pet because it's not a beast. Oh. It's a magical beast. And there are no rules for allowing someone to play a, to have a magical beast. The closest that I can really get is to either play a fighter cavalier subclass and somehow get a uh, get a beast uh, that is somewhat close to a warg, or I could play a ranger beastmaster and have a giant hyena as my animal companion. The but mechanically utterly broken character class mm -hmm. and your if I go the beastmaster route my beast is never going to be my equal. He's always going to be my subordinate. It's always going to be pretty it's so easy to mm -hmm. kill him off even with the be, even with the animal companion advancements that are listed in the book. But I want to play this. I want to ride around. I, I want to be an archery specialist riding around on a giant on the back of a giant hyena shooting people in the face left and right. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely love to have a warg instead of a giant hyena because wargs are intelligent and at higher levels they can speak. I want that weird conversation where my my goblin is this utterly horrible, terrible person that you don't want to have any kind of interaction with, and my and my warg is Mister Fielding from Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> someone that so someone that is really polite. And gracious, and knows etiquette, treats people with kindness and respect, mm -hmm. despite the fact that he's a warg. That's funny. But until I can figure out how to make that happen, 
It's kind of cumber. Yeah. Something crazy. <laughs> I'm not dis- I've never I'm not disagreeing with what Kane said. Never did. He's right in saying that rogues, that rangers, whoever built them, mm-hmm. based upon the previous editions, may not have thought everything through, or maybe they thought that they everything through, but what? But when they published it and put it out into the world, people in the world reviewed it and found and found faults. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it doesn't matter what industry you're in; that always happens. But yeah, that's the thing. Okay. Cool. Um, I guess last question before we wrap this up. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, where would you like to see this go? The game. I mean, inevitably, I know the end of my character's life. So, eh. mm-hmm. it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to know where you want the story to go when you already know how your story will end. Yeah, but this is a. This is not a. This is how I, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> the entire idea of the concept of your character, but at the same time, as the player. Do you really want to face that? Yes. Okay. But I'm morbid as fuck, so... True. (laughs) What about you, Allison? Kit just wants to make a name for herself and be able to live a comfortable lifestyle that won't blow up. And at what point... What's your measuring stick? At what point do you feel that you have reached that? Um, In this economy, how much is, like, a boatload of money? Like, not, okay. I mean, technically, you could live in a cardboard box and have all your needs met. The equivalent in space money to, let's say, a half billion? You would say lump sum half billion. She'd like to, she'd like to be a millionaire. A millionaire. A multi, multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. And, like, she doesn't know what she wants to make her name doing. And, like, she's still young. She doesn't know if she wants to, like help people or if she wants to like be a mad like awesome craft person and really make her name there she Mm -hmm. doesn't know if she wants her social media stuff to really take off and like have that be her like life for a little bit she's very much in the wind Mm -hmm. and she's just right now along for the ride and trying to figure shit out so like her nut so like If you were able to land a contract where you could build a nest egg and just take a couple of years off of adventuring, or like take a year off of adventuring, she probably wouldn't do it right now. Yeah, 
eventual area and she put that shit into some investment <laughs> and stuff and right. keep at it while she's still young. Oh, great. Now I have to go over the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> she's here making papers, man. <laughs> what? Mad stacks. <laughs> I'm going to need a second cabin in on the starship because my stacks are so oh. mad. They need their own room. She's never had stability in her life, and a very common dream of young displaced okay. people is to be fabulously wealthy and have that security. Okay. And that's all she wants. Good to know. <laughs> and she's like willing to have some fun and. But I mean, when you get to the point where in, you in the no meantime, longer kind of wild now. But in the meantime, well, once you reach that point, do you think that your character would be tired of adventuring and influencing and just walk, be able to say, walk away from it all? Yeah, I would say by her 30s, she'll probably be over, like, almost dying. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if she can uh basically retire mm -hmm. at 30 mm -hmm. and be able to pick and choose her piloting and whatnot, mm -hmm. she'll be happy. Okay. But right now she's she will work, she will dedicate all of her time, she will do everything while everyone else is sleeping, she will mm -hmm. be recording her TikTok. She is She's selling her bugs. <laughs> if there's another side hustle, she will take it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, and with that, thank you both for showing up, taking the time, and talking to me about everything and anything under the sun. <laughs> um, and we will, and looking forward to what the next.